of the shadow of death Your perfect love is casting out fear And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life I won't turn back, I know you are near And I will fear no evil For my God is with me And if my God is with me Whom then shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear?
everybody at Hebron Baptist. This is the Porter family in England. We'd just like to take this opportunity to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. So today's reading is Psalm 132, verses 6 to 18. We heard of the ark in Ephaphra. We found it in the fields of Jar. Let's go to his dwelling place. Let's worship at his footstool. Rise up, Lord. Come to your resting place, you and your powerful ark. May your priests be clothed with righteousness, and may your faithful people shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to David, a promise he will not abandon. I will set one of your offspring on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my decrees that I will teach them, their sons will also sit on your throne forever. For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. It will make my I will make my home here because I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its needy with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation and its faithful people will shout for joy. There I will make a horn grow for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but the crown he wears will be glorious. Today we light the hope or prophet candle, declaring our hope in God, who promised to provide salvation for his people. people who are of great hope because of Christ. So would you stand and let's encourage one another in our singing to King Jesus. Church, oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing choirs, oh, sing choirs of angels. Sing in exultation, oh, sing all ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest, oh, come, let us adore him, oh, come, let us adore him, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, 
song, a song declaring we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the Come, let us sing a song. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring we belong to Jesus. He is all we need. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Song, a song declaring we belong to Jesus. Sing to the King. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Amen. Thank you for singing. We have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? Come to Bethlehem and see 
Him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bending knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. sing grab a seat well good morning and welcome to Hebrew Baptist Church we exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ my name is Alan and it is so great to join with all of you in worship today I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving this past week I'm so thankful for, for this local church body. Well, if you're a guest with us today, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining with us today, whether here in person or online. We are so glad that you are here, and we would love to get to know you. One way that we can do that is if you'd be willing to fill out a Connect card. It looks like this. You can reach out to the chair right in front of you and pull out one of these Connect cards. This will let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can serve you. And after church, if you exit through these front doors, turn left, you'll see our Connect, our Next Steps desk. You can turn in the Connect card there. They'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have, and they'd love to give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so glad that you're here. Members, as always, it's so great to join with each of you in worship today. As always, we like to encourage our faithful worship through giving. If you'd like to give, there's a few ways that you can do that. One way is by pulling out an online giving card. This is also right in front of you. You can see that there's a QR code on there. You can scan that with your phone. That'll take you to our online giving webpage. If you'd like, you can also put a gift in one of the black boxes on the back, on the back wall here. If you prefer, you can drop into the office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 4.30 or Friday. Friday night to noon, or you can write to P.O. Box 92, Hebrew, Kentucky, 41048. All right, we're going to transition now to a moment of prayer. Would you please join me in prayer? Good morning, Father. Once again, we come before you with praise for who you are, for what you've done for us. With Thanksgiving just behind us, once again, we give you thanks. We thank you for all the incredible gifts you've given to us. And this morning, Lord, as, as we come to pray, we think of our core value of intentional discipleship. Lord, we thank you for the gift that you've given to us of discipleship, this process by which we grow to look more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you would bless our intentional discipleship as a church body. Lord, that you would bless our relationships with each other, allowing us to be real with one another, to be transparent, to be open, to confess deep sins to one another. Lord, we pray that you would let us weep and grieve in the arms of our brothers and sisters here, that you would let us encourage one another to rest in you, our Savior. Father, please lead us to love each other so much that we would support and encourage each other in our walk with you, that you would let us sharpen each other in our faith, encouraging love and discipline and building one another up in our common faith in you. Lord, please bless our intentional discipleship. 
Lord, we pray this morning not only for ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters worshiping you this morning at the Oaks Church just across the river in Cincinnati. Lord, please bless Pastor Terry Lee Kirkland. Bless his wife, Abby. We pray, we pray that you would bless the Oaks Church to experience more and more discipleship, intentional discipleship, that you, uh, as you would do with us, that you would do the same with them, that you would allow them to grow, to look more and more like Jesus through that process. Thank you so much for our brothers and sisters at the Oak Church. Lord, once again, we lift up to you our deep concern and our prayer for the health of our, our local body here, of Northern Kentucky, of our whole world with the pandemic of COVID going on and other health concerns, we turn to you as our healer. We pray that you would heal. We thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we, we, we pray for Linda Davis this morning, asking that you would continue to bring healing to her with the stroke she's experienced. Please do be with her and Jim and their family. We pray that you would give wisdom to them making decisions. We pray that you would bless the doctors and nurses involved. Please bless Linda and this family. We pray for many uh, Lord, who have COVID, who are experiencing that right now, we ask that you would bring healing. We pray for Patrick Marsh, Lord, in the hospital now with COVID, that you would bring healing to him. Thank you for being the great physician that we can turn to. And Lord, we come to you now with our greatest need and need of healing, and that is of our sin that has separated us from you. We ask that you would please forgive us for our many sins, for times perhaps that we have not dived into intentional discipleship. For times when we've not reached out to others, seeking to help each other grow in our faith. For times that we've been selfish, Lord, for, for unhealthy habits in our lives. We pray that you would please forgive us. And we thank you for Jesus, who never sinned, who lived a perfect life, who died in our place on the cross as a sacrifice. Thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. We pray that you would wash us clean of our sins because of his death in our place. And that you would give us new life, renewing our walk with you each day, making us to look like you by the power of our resurrected Savior, Jesus. We praise you in his name today. Amen. Amen. As we've entered this Advent season together, let's continue to sing the story of Jesus who came and lived a perfect life for, for us. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing together.
Light into the world, light into my life. 
the very story of Jesus a thousand years later. And this reasons and more, the book of Ruth is a great place for us to be in this Christmas season as we look with expectation uh, for the hope of Christ. So let us begin, and we'll read, actually, all of chapter 1 together this morning. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem in Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were, were Malon and Chilion. They were Epaphrodites from Bethlehem in, Judea, in Judah. Excuse me. Uh, they entered the fields of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died and was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women for their wives, as one was named Orpah and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two children and without her husband. She and her daughters-in-law set out to return to the territory from the territory of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's need by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. Naomi said to them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you the rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them, and they wept loudly. They said to her, We insist in returning with you to our people. But Naomi replied, Return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who can become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. Even though I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No, my daughters, my life is much too bitter for you to share, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again, they wept loudly, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. And when they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival. And the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't even call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered. For the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has opposed me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth the Moabitess. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the the passing of your inspired word that you have come and have brought it to us to remind us of the hope that is in Christmas. 
Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we come to it that we will be either equipped to help someone through their times of despair in this Christmas season, or that instead you meet us right in the place where you need us right now. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, this morning that as we read your word, we know that it's powerful, it is true, it is without error, and we know that in it is life. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would bring life to our hearts through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is that time of year in my house again. Not the holiday season and the decorating season. Hallmark Christmas movie season. That my DVR is so packed that there's very few rooms for football games or basketball games to be recorded because it's filled with movies that bring the hope of the holiday season filled with plot holes. These movies are packing my DVR at this moment. It is this uh, time of year that we see these movies interspersed, and they've become so popular that now even more channels have, have bought into this. There's a competing channel that is going against, uh, against Hallmark. There's other channels now that are popping up with these new movies, and yep, hook, line, and sinker, uh, many people are watching them. You know, every Hallmark movie has pretty much the same plot line. You know, there's a, a girl who works in, who is a small business owner or, or works in a cor corporate office and has either lost her joy for Christmas because uh, she's so busy in her life that she, she can't have time for Christmas, or she's uh, tragically lost a parent that time of year. Well, during the next 90 minutes, she finds out that she can restore her joy or find the love in her life from someone that she went to high school with many years ago or who was the corporate over overlord who had came to threaten her small business and has lost their joy for Christmas. And by the end of it, everybody's joy in Christmas has returned. They have found the love of their life, and ultimately, everybody ends happily ever after. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well... With many seasonal Christmas stories, there's a lot of, of times that we see that the good part of these movies is that even in the midst of pain, there can be joy. With many of these stories, often in the brightness and the, the excitement of the season, we often overlook that this time of year is painful and is hard for many people. That for we understand that someone, maybe even in this room today, is suffering uh, for a season because this time of year brings back memories or, or difficult things that they have experienced that year. Maybe it's because you've lost a loved one or maybe a loved one that you have lost. This is a time of year. All those memories flood back. Maybe it's the difficulty of, of missed opportunities throughout the year before. Maybe it's the bitterness of a broken family relationship that forgiveness has not been extended by you or you have not received forgiveness from that other person. This time of year is very difficult. The book of Ruth begins with difficult and tough matters of life. Here in the opening chapter, 
of the book of Ruth, we see that Naomi has experienced great loss. Not only has she lived through a famine, but she's lost her husband and her two sons. And Ruth, who is her daughter-in-law, has lost her husband. And in this, we see that they have, are experiencing a time of starvation and hopelessness. But for Christians, we all need to be reminded that this is a season of hope. The very reason that we celebrate Christmas is that God, the creator of the universe, stepped out of heaven and came to the earth, fully God and fully man, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross that he might raise to life three days later, that those who believe in him have the hope of eternal life. This is the reason we celebrate. And this exciting season is also a reminder for us that we can go to God who is the God of hope. Dietrich Bonhoeffer observed of this season that the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. When we read this story in the book of Ruth, we see this undeniable connection that happens in Bethlehem. Here we see that Ruth and Naomi are hopeless, but God meets him, them in his faithfulness. A thousand years later, we see that the world, when all of the fullness of time has come, God meets humanity by bring, being faithful, by bringing the Savior of the world to us. And in this, we see in the first chapter of Ruth that God brings hope in Bethlehem to Naomi and Ruth. And let's remember and remind ourselves of a faithful God that maybe you're experiencing loss or difficulty or struggling with depression, fear, anxiety this time of year, that you would look at this season of hope, that you would meet with a faithful God who loves you, that you would be encouraged to have hope in the message of Christ, and that in this same way, in this passage, we see three ways in which God gives hope in Bethlehem. If you're taking notes, uh, on the bulletin or on your phone or at home. Number one, God brings hope at Bethlehem in the midst of brokenness and sin. God brings hope at Bethlehem in the midst of brokenness and sin. Now, Naomi and Ruth lived in the time of the judges. If you understand the, the time of the Bible of redemptive history, Israel had, had, re, had captured the promised land Joshua is gone, but the judges ruled. And, and during that time, unfortunately, the judges were a period of really sin, disobedience, and idolatry for Israel. There was a lot of frustration. Each judge brought with it both blessings and curses. And we read at this time that Elimelech and his family had uh, in Bethlehem that a famine had come. Famines were often linked in the scriptures in the Old Testament to curses in Mosaic Covenant. The mention of famine in Bethlehem was both ironic and instructive. The name of the ancient town of Bethlehem is in the Hebrew is House of Bread. This is where we get our series uh, name from. Why was it named that? It was because it was the, one of the most fertile areas of the Promised Land. Great in agriculture, wheat, barley, and many things 
But Israel's failure during the time of Judges to keep God's covenant brought about God's righteous judgment to them, which meant the house of bread had become the house of crumbs. There was not food enough to sustain the people of the land. So what should Elimelech have done? Well, he should have a spiritual man, leader of the home, should have led his family to repentance, turning back to God, trusting God to provide, repenting for, for how the nation had gone against God and come back into faithfulness of God. But is that what Elimelech did? No. We read here that he looked only at the physical problem and decided that he would go to find to spare his family to go to the country of Moab. Instead of repentance, he went further away from God. Well, why do we say that? Well, isn't that good to provide for your family? Well, no, not if you know that if you trust in a God who is a promise-keeping God, a God who provides for our needs. Instead, he went to a country that, as we read through the scriptures, was surely not friends with Israel. If you read throughout the scriptures, we understand that King Malik, who was a Moab uh, king, hired Balaam to curse Israel. We know that many times that the Moabites had attacked Israel. There was no love lost amongst these people as the Moabite people had many gods that were idolatrous and were away from the one true God. Naomi and many others were experiencing the time of spiritual brokenness and personal brokenness. You see, not only was the result of God's judgment to, to, though he might have provided food for Elimelech's family, Elimelech died himself. And even after spending 10 years there, Elimelech's children went on to go even further. They, they took for themselves women who, who were Moabites. Now, why was this uh, declared uh, wrong in, in the law? And, and why was it frowned upon by God? Because in those marriages of mixed religion that the 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 temptation was for the men who were supposed to be faithful to God would have then be faithful to the gods of their wives and here in these mixed marriages then these two sons passed away and here now three widows are left from the result of disobedience and sin but God again reminds us that he is a God who is with us and brings about his providential care. In verse 6, we see she and her daughters-in-law set out to return from the territory of Moab because she had heard from Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people's needs by providing food for them. We are reminded in this verse that the providence of God, even in times of suffering and pain. That even then and now, that we are reminded through Naomi and Ruth's life that God was still loving and providing and caring. That this is the story that we know of a God and his faithfulness to us even when we aren't faithful. And we also know that a thousand years later in Bethlehem, God provided for us our personal and most important need 
by providing a savior for our sin. And knowing this and having full confidence in God, we understand that God rides upon the storms. That behind God's frowning providence, one commentator wrote, is a smiling face of God. You see, our unbelief can't see this. We can't see that in our pain and suffering and loss, that God is there, God is providing, God is loving. But we know because in this inspired, interpreted events for us, that we can be instructed through God's care of faithfulness to Naomi and Ruth that God is caring for us. Whatever pain, whatever suffering, whatever you're going through, we know that God loves us and is walking through life with us. Charles Spurgeon observed and said, It is a sweet thing to be able to trace the hand of God in our affliction, for nothing can come to one of his children from that hand except what is good and right. Those are the hands of which the Lord says, I have inscribed you in the palm of my hands. So may we rest assured that nothing can come from those hands but what infinite wisdom directs and infinite love has ordained. Maybe you are here today because God is reminding you in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of the result of sin, your sinful choices, or the results of sinful choices made on behalf of others, that you're reminded that God is faithful and God loves you. And that this momentary affliction is not pointless. It is directed by a loving God. It is not by happenstance or a cosmic mistake, but it is a sovereign loving God who is working all things out for your good. It is purposeful that God will use this for our good. It may be to call us to repentance. It may be calling us to the end of the selfishness of ourselves. It may be calling us to bring, call us back from being separated from God in our sin. But God has come to us, and he is faithful. He has come to us in Christ, and to those of us who has put our faith in Christ are restored to him. So brother and sister, look up with hope. Even in the midst of our brokenness, God is being faithful. Secondly, we receive the hope that God gives at Bethlehem through faith in his covenant to us. We receive hope that God gives at Bethlehem through faith in his covenant to us. As the story turns, there becomes a discussion between Naomi and, his, and her daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. She pleaded them to return to Moab. Go back, she says, because maybe you might find favor and you might find husbands to care for you. She didn't want Ruth and Orpah to follow her because she knew that the Moabites would receive that frosty reception when she returns to Bethlehem. They would also less likely to find husbands there and that Ruth understood there was no way for her to take care of them. You see, in these times that, this, that, uh, that it must be a man who, uh, who owned the property. 
And therefore, with Elimelech and the two sons gone, these widows really had no opportunity to legally own the land. Property was vital because it was an opportunity to grow and provide food for the family to make ends meet. As a widow, it was an opportunity to sell the land to provide provisions to, to take care of themselves. Ruth being a widow and one who has older would most likely not be able to find a husband who would claim the land for her. And also, as she said, uh, are you going to wait for me? If I had children even now, are you going to wait, uh, daughter-in-laws, to, to, uh, uh, for them to grow up? There would be pretty much a, a, a wide age difference there. The future did not look bright. But in God's providence and kindness, through these discussions, God displayed for Naomi his covenant love to her through the covenant love of Ruth. Orpah, who's actually her meaning of her name uh, in some root form means neck, uh, very providential because she turned her neck or her back on Naomi. But Ruth, what does it say? Clung to Naomi. She clung to her in the covenant promise of love that she made to her in verse 16 and 17, we read, Ruth said, Don't plead to me, abandon you, don't, or return to not follow you. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And here's this covenant. Where you die, I will die, and there will be, I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely, if anything but death separates me from you that I love that next line Naomi realized she wasn't going to that Ruth was determined to go with her and she stopped talking to her very rarely do you see that conversation between a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law right somebody stopped talking in the midst of a conversation but here we see that Ruth made a covenant that if she were to abandon Naomi it would be her life however in this narrative, we see that it is this trust and truthfulness of God's kindness and faithfulness and this one in which Ruth entrusted herself to Naomi that it impacted everyone. In narratives, we don't really know a lot of things, but the, the, the speaking, the, the, the dialogue helps direct us. And everyone keeps... Uh, uh, proclaiming and dis discovering and, and saying, oh Ruth, your faithfulness and kindness to Naomi is amazing. Ruth made such a commitment to return to Bethlehem with Naomi that it must have been based on the covenant faithfulness of God. See, she had heard the stories, no doubt, of a God who is a covenant-keeping God. One who promised to Abraham that your descendants would be as, as prosperous as the stars in the sky. One who told his people and promised that they would reclaim the lamb, uh, land, that they would bring, he would bring them up out of slavery. That, that even to Moab, that the story of, of God's people had been rescued by the hand of God from Pharaoh. That he would continue to say that I will be, uh, give you a land that is filled with milk and honey and fertile for the people and he did all these things and time after time God has showed his covenant 
faithfulness to his people. And our hope during difficult times and sadness is to remind ourselves that we are putting our faith in a promise-keeping God. You see, even during the time of judgment that came on Bethlehem that we read at the beginning of the chapter that there was a time of famine. What do we read in verse 6? That it is a time of harvest. That God is continuing to provide for his people. That God has found favor to to bring and, and protect and care for his people. Brothers and sisters, our hope is in the covenant keeping God. Our hope during times of difficulty and sadness is not in the hope of a what, but it's a hope in a whom. Our hope is in the God of the universe who who covenants to provide and care, to be the shelter and protector, the one who offers salvation, the one who who, who gives himself to us. So that our faith involves a commitment of the will to trust in the self-revealing God of the Bible. That even when uncertainties and changes in everyday life occur, we put our hope in Him. Faith in the Bible and the God of the Bible. Faith in the God of the Bible is not a leap in the dark. It is leaping into the arms of a covenant faithful God. Ruth knew this. Ruth had heard this. Ruth had saw a covenant-keeping God and said, Naomi, your God will be my God because he is the true God. But in this we also see that we as New Testament believers know the same history and how it climaxes in the bringing of Jesus Christ. Just as Ruth covenanted with Naomi to love and care to be with her through Jesus Christ, God has covenanted with us that he would be our God who loves us forever. Romans 8, 35 through 39, Paul writes of this to help us to see this, this covenant-keeping God and the love that cannot be broken. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, because you were being put to death all day long, we were counted as sleep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Even in our time of affliction, we can put our hope in the one who will never turn his back on us. You know, this time of year, I'm reminded that it's the seasonal weather that we'll probably start to be experiencing in the next few weeks and months, maybe, that we turn on the TV or maybe pull up the video of the local forecaster forecasting the weather, and he or she will have great predictions of mountains of snow expected tomorrow, and we'll wake up 
And there's a snowflake. See, I was right, it snowed. <laughs> there are times that we'll say that there was just a dusting and that we'll wake up and it will be covered and we won't be able to see the ground. You know, a, a friend told me that's in the industry, he said that we're told to be just as, just as accurate enough, accurate enough that we don't lose our credibility. <laughs> In other words, just accurate enough. We know we're going to be wrong, but we need to be accurate just enough that people still turn to us to find out what the weather is. Just enough that people can trust us to turn us on. Brothers and sisters, isn't it wonderful to know that we can trust in someone who's 100% reliable as we are in God? That his love for us in Christ Jesus cements the fact that we can trust in him and every dark day, every disappointing day, every hopeless day, we have hope because the God of the universe sent his son to die to save us. And in doing so, that we can have trust in him that we will have eternal life, that he will never leave us or abandon us, he will never forsake us, his sheep know his voice and they will never depart from his hand his love is sure and faithful and will never end for us brother and sister if you're going through rough difficult seasons remember you can place your hope in a covenant keeping God which leads us to number three God brings hope at Bethlehem by providing the bread of life let me just remind you, verse 19 through 22. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival, and the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered. The Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi came back to the territory of Moab with, his, with her daughter-in-law Ruth and the Moabitess. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley season. Naomi asked the questions of the people who came. They heard word had spread. Naomi, after, after a decade or more of go, being gone, she's back. This is her. Which she answers bitterly, don't call me Naomi. I said, well, why don't call me by my first name? Are we changing names now? What's going on? Well, Naomi meant pleasant. And she said, instead, call me Mara. Which the Old Testament echoes of the place of bitterness. That is what that name means. Naomi rightly attributes her return to Bethlehem to Yahweh, recognizing that she is coming back empty. She un understands and sees that her afflictions have come partly from judgment, but also knowing that bad things have happened. And now the question that has come is posed to Naomi, is posed to you. That whether in the view of these situations of your life are part of God's plan. The text challenges us to believe that God is active even in our life, even if it hurts. In fact, the whole book teaches us about God's providence in our lives. He is not only in control, but he is, often, he is always up to something good, namely the accomplishment of his redemptive plan and the perfection of 
of his people. The challenge of walking by faith during these times is often the opportunity to glorify Jesus. And a redeemer is only needed when an individual finds himself or herself in difficulties beyond their control. And Naomi's poverty has brought her to the point where she realizes things are beyond her control. The Bible makes clear that we need a spiritual redeemer because sin leaves us bankrupt before God with no means of generating the ability to pay. But here's the beauty of this text. Verse 22. So Naomi came back to the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law Ruth, the Moabitess. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. We were reminded at the beginning that Bethlehem was the name that meant house of bread. <coughs> Naomi and her family had experienced great loss. They had went through a famine. They'd experienced judgment. They'd experienced loss. But what they didn't understand was that God was bringing back to a city to bring them hope back to the city that is the house of bread. This is foretelling and helping maybe foreshadow that one day God was going to use this same city to bring about the bread of life. That Jesus would come, that he would be born in a stable outside of an inn that was full, that because of him and his death, burial, and resurrection, that it would be the way to restore us to fullness in God, to bring us back to hope. Jesus himself claimed to be this in John 6, 35. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty Naomi had looked at her situation and had saw the famine just as her husband Elimelech had only looked at the physical pain that they were suffering. God was bringing it to show her the spiritual need that she had that would only one day come in Christ. That in this that we often look at the world and the physical things and we're drawn thinking that all of these things will, will whet our appetite of satisfaction, would bring to us the, that we could feast on this life. But every time, brothers and sisters, when we feast on these things, we find ourselves empty. But God is reminding us and it is through the bread of life, through Jesus himself, that we can be fully satisfied, that we can be restored, that we can be forgiven, because then we find our hope in God and not in everything else. It brings into us in fellowship with God for that God will then be in all of our eternity helping us, showing us, providing us, bringing us full 
with hope forever and ever. And as the carol, O little town of Bethlehem, puts it, yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Brothers and sisters, as God provided barley and wheat in the next few chapters, we'll read to bring physical fullness to Naomi and Ruth. God is bringing about a spiritual fullness that is found in the birth of Jesus Christ. So brother and sister, we can celebrate that whatever painful time you have come on, you can come and see the hope that is in God. Hope because God is a covenant-keeping God who loves us, that our faith and trust in Christ will anchor us, that we will have hope beyond this world. So might I ask, brother or sister, friend who has come today, do you know Christ? Have you feasted in the bread of life? Have you come to the fullness that comes and putting your faith in him? Do you know that you have, have fallen away, that you are, you are wicked because all of humanity is wicked? That we are empty because we are empty. There is no good in us, but in Christ, he restores us. He gives us his righteousness. He gives us himself. Brother or sister, trust in him today. Believe and be restored and have hope in Christ. This is the hope of Christmas. May we, whether we are experiencing that pain or not, may we see the hope that we receive in Christ this Christmas. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this message and story of hope that through the happenings of Bethlehem thousands of years ago, that you are the same faithful God who restores, loves, cares, and provides that even in times of darkness, we know that we can depend on you because you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, may we put our trust in you and may we this holiday season not be distracted by the things of this world that brings us punishment, sickness, and ill, but instead put our hope in you, the faithful covenant-keeping God. And may we be thankful for the bread of life that you have brought to bring us salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's respond together in faithfulness and worship. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing. this together. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I to worship, here I am to bow down, 
say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross and I'll sin upon that cross. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. You may be seated. Let's watch this video together. We all lead busy lives, but if we could just stop everything and take a bird's eye view, a little higher, there. Now we can see the multitudes. We are fueled by a shared vision to bring the name of Christ to those who have yet to hear. So we move forward to extreme places corners of the world that have no access to the gospel. We train missionaries, send them out together, and pray that God's grace be known. We help the hurting, comfort the dying, give hope to the displaced, and have seen thousands come to faith in Christ. We are able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our common effort, together.
This time of year, we uh, highlight as a Southern Baptist church in our network of churches that we work together with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That video is just a beginning of display of the commitment that we have to the Great Commission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And this time of year, we uh, encourage you to, to make a significant, impactful, sacrificial gift to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, for us, uh, we have such personal connection to the IMB. Of course, now we have sent our family, the Richard family, that is being now fully supported by the International Mission Board, and they're in Mexico now learning language to head on uh, to Buenos Aires. And so we know that they have given their lives, and so our gifts to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, support their work. The family, uh, the Porter family that uh, is in Rotten, uh, outside of England that uh, Mark and I got to visit with, We've, Carl Porter's done some evangelism training here, are now going to be part of the IMB family. They're going to plant a church there in Rotten with support for the International Mission Board. And so here we have just impacts and connections personally as a church, uh, but we know as Christians that it's our faithfulness to send and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so we have this wonderful privilege, I believe, to, to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And I hope that we have uh, an amazing uh, year this year, uh, just an amazing gift. Uh, we know that the last two years have been hard on a lot of people, uh, but I just pray that you take and think of the generosity that you could give to support the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so starting maybe next week, or you'll be able to do that online uh, to give a gift to the International Mission Board. We're going to be having some more, I believe, uh, uh, of our missionaries through IMB that are going to help be a part of our Advent readings this year. And so you'll get to see a little more personal connection to them uh, over this time. And so we're, we're thankful to be a part of the network, the largest Protestant missionary sending organization on the planet. And we're thankful for that, that uh, that's one thing that we do well together uh, is that we are committed uh, to the nations. And so uh, we encourage you to do that, but also through your faithful giving, 10%, uh, uh, sorry, 8% of what gives is given every Sunday goes to the cooperative program which supports the International Mission Board. So we hope that you will uh, continue faithfulness in that. Uh, we're thankful for what God is doing through the missionaries who have given up their lives and families for the gospel and that we have the opportunity to do that. And also, uh, next week we'll produce or we'll have out a prayer guide that you might be able to pr pray for these missionaries as that's what they want. Every one of them, uh, that when we sat down in London, the first thing they said, please pray for us, please pray for us, and that's one thing we can commit to do. So please do that in prayer, but also give a sacrificial gift to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. A couple of quick announcements before we leave. Uh, first of all, Fireside Christmas. Uh, this is a caroling, uh, a special music service uh, that you will not want to miss. And it is geared so that you might bring a family member or a friend or someone who's not connected to church to come to introduce them to your church family, but also to have the blessing of the Fireside Christmas Carol service. This is something that all ages love. 
uh, from 1 to 92. Uh, it is a special service that is a mixture of traditional carols uh, as well as modern music. Our band, some special uh, soloists and other things will be happening. And of course, the surprise at the end. So far, we've talked about no spoiler alerts earlier. Uh, no spoiler alerts, if, you, if you've been to the service before, there's something that special happens at the end. And since we haven't had it for two years, uh, so many of you actually here today haven't actually experienced the Fireside Christmas service. Uh, we will also have a fellowship afterwards of uh, cider and hot chocolate and cookies. And we're asking for uh, people to donate cookies, to make and donate cookies. There's a sign-up sheet for that on the bulletin board across the hallway. If you have any questions, see Carol Reinhardt as she helps put that together for us. Uh, but we need lots of donations of cookies for the pastor and, <laughs> and for the Fireside Christmas. Uh, also, the Christmas Eve service is a, a special service you're not going to want to miss. It's a great way to start your Christmas celebration as a family. Come, it's uh, the 24th at 6 o'clock. We hope that you're here. It is a special time of carols, and as we sing by Carolite at the end, and so we hope that you invite someone and make plans to attend the service this year. Uh, both services, of course, are to bless us as a church family, but also as an opportunity to invite uh, someone from within our community. Uh, another announcement today, uh, the trustees voted, and under our Constitution and bylaws, they can call a special called business meeting. That will happen next Sunday following church. Uh, the only item on the, the docket will be to, um, are you going to tackle me? Okay. Are you going to say something about it? Okay. Um, that, uh, that there's only one item on the agenda, and so please plan to be a part of that. And I think, Steve, are you going to say something? That's green. Thank you. There will be a fiscal court meeting uh, on Tuesday morning, December the 7th, at 8.30 in the morning, and they will be taking up the discussion uh, regarding the property next door. So that is why we have called the special call business meeting for next Sunday, December the 5th. Uh, we, will, uh, we have a, a, a three-option plan that we are working and ironing out the details that we want to present to the church, uh, obviously to, to get input. To, to give uh, us as trustees and finance uh, guidance as to the action that we may or may not need to take. So that is the, the purpose for that. All right. Thank you. So remember next Sunday, there's a special called business meeting for that. Also, it, we need a couple strong uh, people. Some. 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 More than a couple. More than a couple. Okay. Couple times three, right? So we need many people to help us move oh 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 let me blow that out um that uh help us move the piano off the stage okay so that's what we're going to do so we need herculean strength and many people to do so so thank you for helping us out hope you have a great rest of your thanksgiving weekend god bless and if you're new we'll see you out at the uh next steps desk out the double doors
Well, so I appreciate you know, that. Why would you want to stop a okay. healing? We're not going to. You can heal. They can I go can't home. Heal Jesus does. Right. That's good. You you can do that after the service. We're going to let everybody else go home, and you can talk so and pray with him. Nobody wants to witness that. If they would like to stay, they're more than welcome to. And if he wants to come up, you can pray for him. Okay. okay. All right.